There are five studio albums under the Velvet Underground name, but any real fan will tell you the fifth one doesn't count, as every founding member of the legendary group left during or after the production of the fourth studio album, Loaded. The name Loaded was a tongue-in-cheek reference to the request from label Atlantic Records that the album be, quote, loaded with hits. Loaded can, of course, also be a reference to being high as fuck, an interpretation supported by the album's cover art featuring smoke billowing from a subway station. The title and smoke may more accurately represent an explosive load, as the band was breaking apart at an alarming rate. Drummer Maureen Tucker was entirely absent from the recording sessions, as she was pregnant at the time, and guitarist Sterling Morrison was juggling recording sessions with college classes, and the entire band was being driven mad by the demand to make an album of hits. During the final mixing stage, frontman Lou Reed hit his limit and left the band, three months before the album's release. When the final product came out, Reed was openly critical of it, claiming that the band had resequenced and re-edited several tracks without his consent. Specifically, a certain single had an entire bridge section removed. Bassist Doug Yule, however, insists that the band was not responsible for the changes Reed complained about. Quote, he edited it. You have to understand at the time, Lou was, and all of us were, intent on one thing, and that was to be successful, and what you had to do to be successful in music was you had to have a hit, and a hit had to be up-tempo, short, and with no digression, straight ahead, basically. You wanted a hook and something to feed the hook, and that was it. The single is arranged just exactly the way it is on the original Loaded release, exactly for that reason. To be a hit. Who Loves the Sun was done exactly that way for that reason. To be a hit. This bridge section would come and go in later renditions, with Reed performing it live for some shows and leaving it out for others. An official full-length version of the single was first released in 1995 for the Velvet Underground box set Peel Slowly in C, and again in 1997 on Loaded, Fully Loaded, edition. It seems strange, but it's possible to be a Velvet Underground fan for your whole life and never hear Lou Reed sing of Heavenly Wine and Roses. That's right, we're talking Sweet Jane by the Velvet Underground on Cover Me. Sweet Jane! That's right, it's Cover Me, the only podcast that compares famous songs to their many cover versions to find out which one is riding in a Stutz Bearcat. I'm your host, as always, The Snake, joined by my wooden co-host, Jim. Just kidding. Alex. Alex Mildenberger. Alex Mildenberger. What's going on, man? Uh, Not a lot. I think my roommates are burning things in the backyard. That's fun. For Um, pleasure or for business? uh, I think a little bit of both. You know, mm. I mean, yeah, we have we have fire pit back there, but it snowed pretty quickly and there's a lot of snow in it. So they're setting a fire in it to melt the snow and then okay. they're going to cover it up. So it's like late winterization, more or less. Uh, I get you. So you like dry it out and then. Oh, okay, yeah. Cool. So they're not just lighting things on fire, but they are lighting things on fire. Cool. That's tight. Um, Alex, you're not participating because you're here because other people, they have to work. Just watch, you now. Yeah. Hey, see? Yeah, Whoa. I'm just watching. <laughs> ah, it ties in. Um, it ties in. Yes, I'm not doing work. I'm just sitting here talking to you. Yeah, what a pleasure. We're talking about a song that, this is literally the second episode we ever recorded was mm-hmm. Sweet Jane, and the audio was unsalvageable, and here we are four years down the line re-recording it. Yeah, I never even heard that audio, other than the first time, of course. Of course, yeah. <laughs> you don't black out for these and just wake yeah. up. But uh, Alex, the Velvet Underground, we talked about them quite a bit now. We've done a few times. We did a, a times. an I'll Be Your Mirror episode. We did an yes. I'll Be Your Mirror, but like the album the episode. Album, yeah. And which was actually two episodes. Which was two episodes. Did we talk about them again? 
Oh yeah, I think we just talk about them. We do talk about them a lot. We like the Velvet Underground. We like the Velvet Underground. I think a lot of people do now. Anyway, you know they're they're sort of a retroactively well regarded. They were well regarded at the time too, but now now it's been long enough that people yes people actually know about them. Yeah, spoken of as this very important um, early rock and roll band. Yeah. And this is uh this is one of the very important albums they released because it was their last last legit one because it's Doug Ewell who goes on to make the fifth one where it's and he wasn't a founding member he was not a founding member yeah um and even for this album uh, John Cale had already left so oh, yeah. comparing this I don't know their second two albums very well um, um I do. But, like, the first album, compared to this one, definitely, there's more of that, like, experimental stuff going on with, like, with noise and, and like, music concrets and stuff like that. Um, yeah. I guess the other part of it is they were trying to make hits, which is very different from probably what they were doing previously. Yeah, it is, I think, yeah, insanely different, and you you lose out on the John Cale connection, who had such a, when we talked about the original Velvet Underground album, had such a strong influence on mm-hmm. that direction. So it, it is interesting to hear this, knowing the process behind it, and being like, okay, yeah, that's why, because it is a catchy album from front to back, like, every song on here you can kind of groove to, but I never really considered it, how different that is from you know, songs like Heroin, where there's just fucking yeah. noise on the back half. Or like, I mean, White Light, White Heat, right? Yeah. Um, It's not super accessible. No, but this, to this certainly is, yeah. Right to like, yeah, rock and roll and like Lonesome Cowboy Bill. It's like, yeah, it's just kind of, there's a catchiness to it. Yeah. And it's... I guess an accessibility accessibility and then of course there's also the erosion of the elements that make up the velvet underground you lose john kale lou reed isn't singing all of the tracks on this some are uh uh doug yule doug mm-hmm. yule actually does drums on the, a lot of these tracks bass um and like strings and shit on a lot of them it's a very heavily it's it's a it's a yule based album really yeah there's def- yeah more influence from that side but uh, but still, to to my ears and and to many people's, it rings as Velvet Underground. So it's interesting to see how much you can remove, both from like a design philosophy, yeah, design philosophy, and like a, a, a personnel standpoint, and still sound like the Velvet Underground. Well, part of it, I would think, I mean, just having Lou Reed's voice, and he's on most of the songs that I actually like listen to on this album. Right. So to me, that's. Most of what it takes, you know? It's yeah, very his voice sound. and his lyrics, I think, are yeah. a big yeah. tentpole of the band. His his oh, physical yeah. voice yeah. and his, like, literary voice. That's right. Hey, look at that. Um, Great song, though. I love this song. Do you like this song, Alex? Yeah, I. Uh, you actually introduced me to this song. I don't, oh, yeah. like, remember the event, but I, I listened to just the Velvet Underground and Nico, and then you listened to some more Velvet Underground and, like, pointed out a few songs on this including sweet jane and lonesome cowboy bill and i mean i listened to the rest of the album as well but uh, yeah those are big ones those are big ones big that hits. i remember off the top of my head <laughs> yeah it's when i think of loaded i think i think of like the first two tracks 
Lonesome Cowboy yeah, Bill. And the then, sun. Rock and roll. Cool it down. Head held high. Yeah. Cool it down. Yeah, it is. It's truly jam-packed with hits. Oh, they Sweet hit Nothing? Goal. I love Sweet Nothing. Um, yeah, even like the outtakes and stuff they, they tuck in there. Well, I was looking at the 45th anniversary edition. There's like five discs. Damn, that's too many stuff. discs. I think a lot of it's live. Yeah, I would imagine so. And that's I'm an interesting sure thing about this song is that the, yes. the version we're going to talk about is the extended version. I, that Which was, is the one I've always known. Yeah, the one I've always known as well. But the original, like the oldest version of this is actually a live recording from 1969. Mm-hmm. Which is, I believe, the version that the Cowboy Junkies actually cover. We'll be talking about them later today. Yeah, there's some interesting like differences in how it, um, how they performed it, and yeah, we and the, we the talked arrangement, the lyrics. Yeah, yeah, we talked more about that in our original Lost episode, but we're not going to go as much into the. No, into we the had live like five stuff. live versions yeah. on. I couldn't figure out why until I did research this week and. On the Wikipedia page, it's like, and in this live version, there's a new like guitar arrangement, and I was like, oh, okay. So I wanted to touch on all these points. Yeah, all the differences, which is cool. But now we've we've got some pretty cool versions lined up today. Yeah, I think, I think too. we got some, yeah, some interesting ones. And before we get into those, let's get into that Lou Reed voice, not the physical one, but the uh, huh, the, uh, the literary one. one, the literary one. Yes, uh, as we we talk about these lyrics. Which begin like this. Standing on the corner, suitcase in my hand. Jack is in his corset, Jane is in her vest, and me, I'm in a rock and roll band. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I like the setup of the story. That is kind of, like, the story's about Jack and Jane. Yeah. But he still sets himself up as, like, a narrator. He's like, I'm just the singer kind of thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's Yeah, it's quite interesting, Yeah, the move to be like, me? And even just the, like, Jack is wearing a corset, Jane is wearing a vest. I, I like the use of is in. So Jack is in his corset, Jane is in her vest. Me, I'm in a yeah. rock and roll band. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's cool stuff. Um, of course, there's also some some references to... There's some, like, I guess you'd say gender-bending stuff. That, yeah, which Lou Reed is known for to yeah. uh, an extent, yeah. Yeah. Particularly in, I guess, the early 70s. Um, and definitely being a part of, like, um, Andy Warhol's crew, kind of, you know, at the time. Right, they would have gotten that sort of stuff. That. And David Bowie also, within the next couple of years, would be around as well. Yeah, and I've heard specifically the, the character named Jane being used as kind of his alter ego. She also comes up in uh, okay. the song Rock and Roll. She's so, turning on the radio. There was listen nothing to rock going music. on at all. Yeah, and Janie turns on the radio. So it's, it is kind of his identity. I don't know if he's using Jane in that context here. Because it mostly seems to be about, I don't know. <laughs> the song's quite odd. It's about more so like, I guess, him contrasted to like a standard person's life? I guess so. I mean, it's so easy to just read it as like a love song. Yeah, it's like a weird love song, though, because I, I kind of came in with that, too, because I was like, yeah, it is a love song, and he doesn't really... The most loving part is the the cut bridge. Right. Where it, yeah. he says, you know, Heavenly Wine Roses seem to whisper to her, but... 
yeah, in terms of other things, he's like, because, I mean, let's move on. We established two characters in that he's in a rock and roll band. Yeah. Um, author Mark Spitz wrote a whole article about that, huh, after I'm in a rock and roll about band. About the huh? Yeah. Okay. He's like, that's real rock and roll there. He's like, that's the dream and what I've been chasing. He's like, I talked to Lou Reed to see if he had written it or if it was improvised and he didn't know. He goes on and on about it. It's a, <laughs> it's a whole big article, but. Uh, that's funny. So yeah, that's how in depth we could get on these is analyzing even something like that <laughs> word by noise, word. but we're not going to do that. We're going to move on to maybe my favorite line, just because I didn't know what the fuck it meant for years. So. Yeah, <laughs> riding in a Stutz Bearcat, Jim. You know those were different times. Of all the poets, they studied rules of verse, and those ladies, they rolled their eyes. Yeah, so it's like we established the characters, and then now we're kind of establishing the setting. Yeah. It's the past, I guess. Obviously, says those are different times. A Stutz Bearcat is a car. Yeah, from the 1920s. Which is a really cool name. I, I wish cars were still called, like, Bearcats and stuff. Fuck yeah. Um, I don't know. This is a cool, cool thing. Um, and also, Jim, I feel like that's just, like, generally, I think, addressing the audience. Is that correct? Like, yeah, I think it is meant to just be like a a throwaway name. It's not we're not meant to be like who's this yeah. Jim character? Let's Jim? find out about him. Is Jim in a Stitz Bearcat as well? Are they racing each other? Uh, no. no, I don't think so. I think th- he's just like yeah, he's just like riding a Stitz Bearcat, Jim. You know, those were different times. Yeah, and like I I don't necessarily understand the purpose of the of the next couple lines, but I do. I am familiar with the idea of like that poetry kind of became less rigidly structured over the, well, I don't know what time period, but certainly over the 20th century. Yeah, I wonder if he is highlighting, maybe a Stutz Bearcat is cool. Let's think about that. The name sounds cool. It's a racing car. Yeah. It would be probably cool to drive around in one of those even in 1970. So he first he mentions that, and he's like, you know, those were different times. All the po- poets, they were busy studying these rules of verse so they're busy focusing on form and structure, you know, traditional poetry format. Yeah. To presumably write love poems for these ladies who, in response, roll their Rolling eyes. Rolling their eyes. He's like, so yeah, there was cool stuff around, but we were also focusing our energy on things that on sucked. On the wrong it. thing. Because <laughs> the ladies don't even care, ultimately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also thought, well, because I mean, I know Lou Reed, like, went to art school and stuff. Like, yeah. he's actually studied. I don't know if he studied poetry specifically. Yeah, we talked about one song off the original album that, like, I think murdered one of his teachers or something. Like, oh, it's like the yeah. last thing one of his teachers. Were, I cannot remember the okay. full story. I remember that. But yeah, he did study English, so he was presumably yeah. in some poetry classes. Yeah, but uh, he, I mean, obviously has some ideas about poetry. And I suspect it's also related to, like, Beat poets, yeah. I wish I knew more about that though to actually comment on it. It's kind of like more free form, yeah, more free form, which seems to stand in in with Lou Reed's ideas and his focus on. Yeah, I think he does like to focus on just regular people in a lot of his work. Yeah, definitely. I mean, they're literally just standing on a corner, going to their jobs in his suitcase. It's like papers and stuff i don't know what's in any suitcase i've never owned a suitcase (laughs) i know right you you would assume suits yeah i i mean yeah but really i mean i'm just like like 
the suitcase in Pulp Fiction, is that all suitcases? Do they all just glow? I don't know. Yeah, they all, that's always been my assumption. <laughs> so, yeah, the ladies, they roll their eyes, and then we hit the chorus, Sweet Jane. Whoa, Sweet Jane. Oh, oh, Sweet Jane. Yeah, that's a simple chorus. Yeah, that is literally like a Making it a hit. Yeah. Make it a hit. But is Sweet Jane marijuana? That is one person's theory. Is it Mary Jane? So people think, I wrote it here, it's unclear what Jane is. It could be cannabis, a transsexual, a... Uh, actually, I don't think transsexual is the correct term anymore. Do we just say transgender now? I, might have just I think it depends <laughs> on the individual case. Sure, alright. Well, the, the people here said either a cannabis, a transsexual, poetic muse, Lou Reed's alter ego. Um, so it's... I wonder if Sweet Jane in this context is uh, connected to the the ladies rolling their eyes. He's like, and this is the poetry they get. Sweet Jane. Oh, sweet Because there's nothing to it, really. <laughs> yeah. It does almost sound like a joke when you say it like that. Yeah. Uh, Jane is sweet. Yeah, and then, yeah, of course, Jane is also the character we were introduced yeah. to along with Jack. Yeah. So are we meant to maybe assume that the Stitzbear cat... And the poetry studying is uh, what Jack did to win over Jane. <sighs> well, it's tough to say. I mean, just looking at the rest of the story, or like the next part of the story, where they're just kind of like hanging out, listening to music. Yeah, and they're they're made out to have quite plain lives. Cause we, so let me tell you something. Yeah. Jackie is a banker, and Jane, she is a clerk, and both of them save their monies ha, when they come home from work. Yeah. Which, so, like, they work together, I guess, because bank, like, your clerk is at a bank, right? Um, yeah. Are they in the Stutz Bearcat? I guess I, that's he sees what them I go by. He's standing on the corner, right? Yes. He sees them drive by. That's, like, this scene I'm picturing. Okay, yeah, I And what, is he just, now. like, imagining them now? Like, he saw them in real life kind of thing, and then... He's well, right. Like, he's, is he's this, this what they're like? Maybe. I don't know. And they are quite an oddity driving down the streets in, I'm assuming, 1970s New York in a 1920s race car with Jack wearing a corset <laughs> and Jane wearing a vest. Yeah, they do seem like odd characters. Yeah. Or at least. Even either one of them wearing a corset is kind of old fashioned, too. Yeah. So they true. do seem to be some kind of like old timey callback. They're, they're in some way retro. In 1970, they are a throwback to older eras. That's they were, true. They are different times. I mean, another thing that I have... I mean, sitting around the fire listening to the radio, you know? Yeah, that's pretty old timing. That's old school. Like, I, I remember reading about, like, oh, our, our home construction changed since TVs now have become the focal point of a particular room, you know? Right. Um, usually a central room in the house. And this seems to be... Not that. This is yeah. Sitting by the fire, listening to classical music on the radio. You know, it's it. Yeah, it's definitely retro. And perhaps, yeah. yeah. Is it a comment on anything? I don't know. But it does seem to be specifically opposed to that image of of the TV as a focal point of the house. Yeah, it's and it might be. That we're still contrasting to to him as a rock star. So maybe he doesn't need to explain being in a rock and roll band, but he needs to explain to us this this more trad lifestyle, right? Because it's just kind of 
normal sounding. Yeah, sitting down by the fire, the radio does play the classical music there, Jim. The March of the Wooden Soldiers. All you protest kids, you can hear Jack say, get ready. Um, I do wonder if they're, if I'm supposed to draw some sexual context from this. Like, the- sitting down by the fire can be read as mildly, like, getting in the mood for it, right? And yeah, then- well, it's, it feels very cozy. Mm-hmm. Generally. Yeah, intimate. Yeah, and intimate. Um, and the way he says some of the, like... They're like, oh, oh, you know, there's a the little bit of, does it, you know, yeah, yeah, you're, you're right. I don't know. There's something there, I think. There could be, because I, I think it's funny. He says, all you protest kids, you can hear Jack say, get ready. So we, then that colors the next chorus of saying Sweet Jane. So is he fucking and calling out her name while they're having sex? <laughs> Come on, baby. Uh, maybe he could be. I, I don't know if it has to be, you know, yeah, it's, yeah, it's just, I think about the intimacy be. more than anything. It could be it. Um, and why are why are the protest kids able to hear this? Who are the, the protest question. kids? I mean, one of the one of the things it um, mentions in, in just one of the genius annotations says there mm-hmm. may be a contrast drawn between like this is a somewhat domestic, like what you might consider traditional um, living. Other than that, there's no like children running around, right? Um, so it's like perhaps a question of like people are protesting. Um, is would you would you not want this? Because he makes it sound nice, right? He's like you're fighting that, against yeah. this life, but like listen. But like maybe it's the life for some people, kind of thing. That could be it. He's like, yeah, they save their money. They sit down by the fire. They listen to the radio. It's like yeah, a little piece of Americana. He's set up for y'all. And he's like, all you kids protesting against this? I mean, listen to Jack. He seems happy. Sweet Jane. Come on. Oh, baby. Sweet Jane. That could be it. Yeah. As for why they're listening to March of the Wooden Soldiers, it might just be another, like, further throwback, because it's kind of old school. Mm Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I believe March of the Wooden Soldiers is from, like, a ballet or an opera or something. Yeah, I believe that's correct. Babes in Toyland is, I'm pretty sure, where it's from. Although, I've definitely seen March of the Toys, which I think is the same thing. Okay. Um, I I briefly tried to learn it, but it, I don't know. I never got around to it, like on the piano. <clears throat> it opens with, like, fanfare. Like, like, uh, like trumpet fa- fanfare? Is that the right I think that like, yeah. Yeah, but it's like like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's the intro on that one. Anyway, does that mean anything? No, maybe they're both babes. Maybe they are both babes in what is you know a toy land, if nothing else. Yeah. Or are there actual children in this life? I don't know. Who can say? I can tell you this though, Alex. Some people they like to go out dancing, and other people's they have to work. Just watch me now. Um. That's a great little couplet there. He's a rock and roll star. Yeah. People come yeah. out to his shows to dance, presumably. And Some he has to work. <laughs> Some people to work. And then we get to the evil mothers. Yes, uh, they make some, some assertions. That's right. There's even some evil mothers where they're going to tell you that everything is just dirt. You know that women never really faint and that villains always blink their eyes. Ooh, And that you know children are the only ones who blush and that life is just to die. Yeah, so we've moved through a couple, this is the third verse now, we've mm-hmm. moved through, like, the first one that kind of establishes our setting, 
and our characters. And then the second one where we're getting some getting a view of of the characters. Yeah. Um in their own environment. And now we're on this third verse, which is kind of much more abstract generally. Yeah. It's I was talking it about people. To- yeah, I wonder if it connects to what you just kind of laid out in the the last verse there about, like, you protest kids are protesting against this. He then lays out his scenario where he's like, some people get to go have fun and other people have to work, and that's me right now. He's like, but I still like this life. He's like, here's what people are going to tell you out here about all the different ways you can live life. There's some evil mothers, mothers presumably being short for motherfuckers. Presumably. But also maybe for like uh, like these authority figures, you know, a mother can't be an authority figure. He's like, well, they're going to tell you that everything just fucking sucks, whether you're the Jack and Jane lifestyle, whether you're a rock and roll band, what have you. He's, they're going to tell you that life is simple like this, that women never really faint. Villains always blink their eye. Children are the only one who blush and that there is no point in all of this life is just to die. So he's like, you can take that viewpoint. There are people who are going to try and sell it to you. And then he I think he counteracts that point later. Mm hmm. Yeah, that seems to be what's going on. He's laying out some arguments, and then he's going to refute them. Yes, and what a refutation it is. But anyone who ever had a heart, oh, they wouldn't turn around and break it. And anyone who ever played a part, oh, they wouldn't turn around and hate it. Yeah, that's that's quite a line, and I think it's... I think that line is, like, key to the song's longevity and popularity. Yeah. I would say that's a it's yeah musically a fucking great part to sing along to and I think yeah I think just well written uh, it just like it sounds good it's it's a real like hook and it's or even not not necessarily in the in like a pop hook sense of like it's a thing you repeat and like people sing along to because it only happens once in the song right yeah but it's still kind of a hook it's just like the song really builds to that idea. And then, like, they sing it out. You know, he sings it out. And it just, it feels correct, even though it's a little abstract in the, like, poetic sense of, like, the yeah, sentence structure scary. isn't perfect, so you have to fill in some sentences or, or, or feel, you know, what it means more than reading. And, yeah, like, listening to the song in the early, my earlier years, I didn't really piece together, like what he was actually trying to convey with this, but I was like, damn, it, it's a fucking jam to scream along with this. Yeah. It absolutely is. And, like, it doesn't even... I mean, this shows us part of the verse. I don't even know what I would call it. Yeah, it almost feels like its own section, yeah. right? Because musically it changes. Because that, and life is, just to die really feels like a, a stop, and then, but anyone who ever had a heart is its new component. Yeah, at least melodically. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, yeah, I think he's saying here that, you know, anyone who ever had a heart, it's like, so any person who's, you know, alive and real would never try to break your heart by telling you these these awful things, right? These things these evil mothers are saying. Right, so obviously, it, like, it's about, I guess, empathy, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, if they, if they felt like you feel, then of course they wouldn't say this because how could that's they? Right? Obscene. Yeah. And he and anyone who ever played a part is like you know if we if you're playing this role, 
you can't hate it because you're actively participating, right? You're playing the part, and yeah. what a what a joy it is to to play a part in such a production as life, and to to yeah, just like live generally. Yeah. So that's his his tear down of the evil mothers, and then we get to the, the 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 heavenly bridge. Heavenly wine and roses seem to whisper to her when he smiles. Heavenly wine and roses seem to whisper to her, hey, when she smiles. Hey. La 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 but it's another one, like, this is one where we get to quiet down, and we've kind of just gone to the more, like, general conceptual part in verse 3. Yeah. And now we're going back to the story, right? Right, to, to Jack and Jane. Yeah. And the heavenly wine and roses, which is, you know, it's this, like, angelic image of, of the relationship, I guess. Like, that's yeah. just the feeling of seeing someone smile. Yeah, when you take out all of their features, forget the corset and the vest, forget the music they're listening to, forget yeah. the car they drive, forget how maybe he went over with bad poems. Like <laughs> when it comes down to it, they see each other smile, and that is heavenly wine and roses. And what could be a better sensation than that? Yeah, I wonder if that's also supposed to be a, like a cheesy poem, kind of. Uh, yeah, I wonder like if that is purpose, yeah. like like that's the sort of poem that would cause an eye roll, but it doesn't matter because it's heartfelt, so they're still smiling. Yeah, I think that, I think that plays, I think that, that sounds like a kind of Lou Reed move to do that. Yeah. Um, anyway. Yeah, awesome. I did not think we were gonna land where we did with this song, but I, I'm quite happy we did. I think that was a good, good read. Yeah, a, a good Lou Reed. A good Lou Reed. Um, yeah, I just, it, it it does seem to have kind of the two aspects to it of like, there's the love story present and then there's some level of analysis and just mm-hmm. like, like it's a really positive song or it seems to be, you know, it doesn't like undermine itself and like, and then everyone died or like, it's actually about someone like unrequited love or something like that. It just seems to be like a really cozy feeling song. Yeah. With positive things to say about like life. Yeah, like, truly. that's my take on it anyway. I don't know if there's anything that, that alters that. Yeah, I think where people get tripped up is in the first three, the evil mothers bit. Because I think some people think that after the everything is just dirt line, that he is telling you, he's saying, you know that women never really faint, that villains always blink their eyes. I think some people confuse that as being the message rather than the thing that is the coming from the evil mothers. Yeah. And I guess they're even... <sighs> Um, one of the genius annotations seems to say it's very pessimistic mm-hmm. uh, in that part, even though it, there's the the villains of the story are are saying those things. Um, yeah, and they really are. I don't really know what the why they would say women never really faint. Like what the implication yeah, of that is, but it seems to be like <laughs> around movie cliches. Wouldn't it be the opposite? Like that women like faint all the time, and that. I guess that, like, I don't have a specific understanding of what all those things mean. Other than, like, villains always blink, I think, is related to, like, good always wins out in the end. 
you know, like the right. Okay, evil so evil ones like, will blink in the end, and I believe blink, blinking yeah. is a sign of weakness or something. Yeah, or like it's or like flinching there, kind there of context thing? where it's like a flinch. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So like they will back down. Like they'll tell you that these things don't happen, but actually, don't listen to them because <laughs> mm-hmm. sometimes life is just okay. That's right. But yeah, I think that is where people get tripped up. Um, where I get tripped up is right on the opening of the instrumentals here, because they're just buck-fucking-wild. <laughs> yeah, there's quite a few uh, like guitar tracks. It's very jangly. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a cool intro to the album, too, and very different from the rest of the song. It almost just feels like it's an introduction to the album more than anything. Yeah. Or I guess it's not actually the it's first the song. Second the track in, it's the but second track in, but you song. know. Oh, I thought it was the first one. Um, so I don't know, <laughs> but it does feel very different from the rest, but it sounds nice. Yeah, it does. I don't really have much more of a take on it than that. Yeah, it's just quite beautiful. It's like, there's just like a mess of guitars in there. And while it is busy, it sounds very beautiful. And then we come in from that to the classic riff. Down, 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 down. Yeah, which is, I mean, it repeats a lot. It's relatively simple. Yeah, but Lou Reed has complained about people doing covers because apparently they miss out on the secret fourth chord. Oh. So there's, so people do like, dun, 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 dun. there's like the way he goes up to, to loop the riff. He hits a, uh, like a bar chord, a little minor, a little B minor bar chord. That he hits. Oh. Yeah. That's the version I, when I looked it up, the chord progression, there was a B minor bar chord in there. So. Yeah. So that's, it's, and it's so quick it that he quick. says, like, a lot of people miss it. He did it in some interview with Elvis Costello where he was like, here, check it out. And he's just like, this is what a lot of people are doing. It's like, yeah, it sounds fine. But here, and he goes up to that B, he's like, that's how it goes. He's like, it could have been anything on the day. You know, it's like, it's very simple, but that's the one that was recorded. So that's the way it's <laughs> supposed to be played. Okay. I mean, that's kind of why I struggled with it. Yeah, for I'm not sure. strong in bar chords. I mean, I'm not really that strong in playing the guitar in general, but that's definitely the tricky part for me. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, no, guitar is too, talk- too g- hard for me. I'll tell you that. <laughs> 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 um, but that plays through most of the song. Yeah, that really, we set that up, and kind of like Doug Yule said, it, it's about getting to that hook. And so they set up the, the pathway to the chorus with that riff, and you're done. Like, that's the song. Yeah, they, I mean, they changed the progression in the other s- sections. Yeah. Like in the it chorus is funny, and in the bridges and stuff. And they talk about how bridge. simple it is, but then you even think about like the anyone who ever had a heart section, and of course the bridge when it was released. It's like these are actually some kind of cool big changes that you didn't necessarily need. Yeah. Although that said, like in the chorus, for example, they they do it's more removing chords. It's not like they're totally yeah. changing. They're just like, oh, we'll do an A to. I don't even remember what it is. But yeah, it is like it's like two chords or something, like isn't it? D and G kind of thing. Yeah. Versus like D G B minor A D, like more yeah more chords four chords four chords even. even um um you get a nice little bass groove on that chorus too boom 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 yeah is that uh, 
Sterling Morrison? Is that who plays the bass? Uh, Sterling Morrison is typically the guitarist. Oh, okay. Uh, Doug Ewell is the bassist. Okay. Oh, yeah, Doug Ewell. Yeah, yeah. Doug Ewell. Doug. Old Dougie Doug. Doug the Slug. <laughs> Indeed. Um, there is, I mean, is Doug a slug? He's had slugs. Anyway. Uh, just getting off topic. So a few things I noticed about this song, yes. uh, listening to it for this, uh, they speed up. Mm-hmm. If you listen to like the later verses and then jump back to the start, it's quite a bit slower. I mean, it's not like not that much, but it, it's definitely, um, slower at the start. Um, the first verse and the second verse sound a bit different in terms of like how they're recorded. And I think maybe right. like, um, Lou Reed was just further away from the mic on the second verse when they recorded it for whatever reason. Okay. So like you can hear it a bit, but to me, like jumping back from the second verse to the first verse, I was like, oh, now it's louder kind of thing. Um, which I thought was interesting. I don't know if that means anything, but it okay. definitely, it there's definitely like rough parts of this. Yeah, um, I wonder if that's why he starts because he. <laughs> definitely is further away now that i'm jumping back and forth yeah but he also starts singing louder on the second verse do you think that's because of the distance maybe it, maybe that's why he moved back too right okay. so he could yeah, kind of yeah. shout it without overloading the mics right um and he does you know get more intense and there's some pretty shouty parts yeah um but i guess on the topic of his delivery i mean it's a Lou Reed. Yeah, and this is like about as good as it gets, you know. <laughs> yeah, I would like say this so. is this is this is triple A. This is prime prime cut Lou Reed vocals, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just this this like naturalistic quality to it. He's like half talking most of the time. That's just kind of how he goes. But what's kind of interesting about this one, and he doesn't always do both. Um, it's just that, like, he gets very sing-songy at times, but it's just for, like, a couple lines. Yeah. You know? So the sitting down by the fire, you know? Oh, oh, oh. And then the previous line was, like, more spoken and all that yeah. kind of stuff. And even uh, right after that, he's just like, the radio does play. Yeah, the radio <laughs> does play. Yeah. So, like, he's singing, but, like, he's kind of not singing. And sometimes he sings a bit more, and sometimes he sings less. Um, I guess women never really fade yeah, they, and that, like all that kind of stuff. Whoa, a lot yeah. of a lot of good vocalizations. <laughs> yeah. <on them. laughs> so like, th- yeah, that's that's all present in this one, and uh, it's good stuff. Yeah, I think without that, like as as good as the chord progression is, like without that Lou Reed delivery, you're you're missing something, right? Yeah, I, we've we talked about the intimacy in the lyrics already, um, mm-hmm. and I think. Th- the performance has it too in Lou Reed in the less perfectness of it. Yeah. Um, you kind of get a little bit, feel a little closer sometimes. Um, it's been said, I don't fully understand that statement, but like I kind of like intellectually, I don't fully understand it. But then mm. when you listen to it, you can kind of say, yeah, okay, this, this feels different, but, but I can't explain it. Yeah, there is, uh, speaking of that, like, intimacy, we often talk about, like, punk rock backing style vocals, where it's, like, kind of out of tune and kind of not together. <laughs> yeah. And there is a bit of that on the, uh, anyone who ever had a heart section, because you've got, like, some everybody screaming. Backup vocals. So that, uh, again, provides that positivity and, like, a bit of that, like, togetherness. 
that really seems to bring this track yeah, together. Yeah, because everyone joins in. Yeah, which is weird because the band was definitely not feeling together. Together, yeah, they were quite quite far apart. And who is what's her name? Someone with left. Someone um, was Mo Tucker was Mo pregnant Tucker. at the time, so she couldn't yeah. record. So it's Doug Yule also doing drums on this. Okay. Um, the drums, uh, the, it's not a whole lot to the drums. I mean, it's a fairly simple song. I mean, yeah, they, they lay it down. Like, <laughs> yeah. And it does speed up. So maybe the fact that he's not like a drummer per se is part of that. Yeah. I wonder if he recorded the bass line first or the drums first. Oh, that's a good, hmm. It makes sense to me to do the drums first. Yeah, I would think so. Of but course, we've struggled basis, with so. laying down drums on our <laughs> own tracks. So. so we don't have, we don't, we're, neither of us is a drummer. Yeah, so it's, uh, no, I get the struggle. And I seem to recall them bragging on their original album about having insanely good timing. Or was that somebody else? Where they're like, we were able remember. to pick up this tempo, like, perfectly. But yeah, so it is interesting that there is a bit of... A bit of sloppiness there, and I'm I'm happy to blame Doug Yule for that because he seems to be a <laughs> yeah. bit of a villain at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. He's definitely not an original member, so he might as well not an original member. I don't dislike the guy because I think he's he's done some good stuff on this album at yeah. the very least. Um, um, I guess the bridge we should talk about. We should talk about the bridge, shouldn't we? Because it is probably the very most distinctly different. different. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Once again, new chords. And then there's like an organ, too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a pretty like... It doesn't even really cut down that much. Like, it's not like it's a big breakdown or anything. The vocal quality does change, though. Like, it's more echoey. Yeah. It is really vocally, because you get him doing a different performance, and you get some backing ooze that take us to that that kind of spacier zone but you're right the guitar is still just fucking jamming the chords yeah it's just less chords and then yeah that big organ is actually kind of loud and dopey so it's not as like quiet of a bridge as i seem to think it is in my head yeah the the it feels gentle perhaps yeah. just because of the way it's sung or or the lyrics themselves but yeah even that you know like it's it's an organ. It's yeah. not really ambient. It's a riff. It is, and it's riffing, baby. Yeah. Um, oh, and the, the la la la. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We didn't really talk about those in the lyrics. No, they're la, not very la, uh, la, dense la, with meaning. La, 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 but la, I don't know. La, la. It's mel. It's melodic. It's- yeah, it's melodic. It sounds good. And then we get we go from that back to the outro where that that organ returns for the fade out. With big notes. Which is the riff, right? Yeah. But like, simplified. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of simplified, that's what we're going to see, I think, with a lot of the... As impossible as that seems, there's going to be simplification in a lot of these covers. I think it's... A lot of the covers feel simpler because... I think a lot of the elements in it are hard to reproduce mm, in a way I that agree. sounds natural. So, a band that is more polished 
would struggle to recreate a lot of the elements of this song. And right, because you're that, like, well, it's... They will not do that. I don't know if they actually struggled to reproduce those elements or just cut them out entirely. But yeah. they're cut for these covers. Yeah, and I also wonder, because I guess we might as well just jump in here with yeah. Lot the Hoople in 1972. Um, this is from the same album as All the Young Dudes, because that is the name of the album, right? All the Young Dudes? Mm-hmm. And I wonder if David Bowie kind of pushed them to do a, like a Velvet Underground cover. <laughs> that would be cover. my guess. Yeah. yeah. If I had to, and I will speculate that. I mean, he was obviously involved, like he produced this album, he produced this track, pretty sure. Yeah. Um, based on the Wikipedia, it doesn't say anyone else produced it. Um, so yeah, was it his idea? Well, he might have nudged them in that direction. I wouldn't yeah, I feel, I feel like there's a bit of influence. <laughs> yeah. Because it feels a bit, like, just, I guess, flat. Like, and vocally, I'm, I was specifically, like, it does not feel like he maybe wants to be singing. Oh, it's less. Yeah, okay. I see. Like, it, like, it doesn't seem like they were like, we have to cover this song, because this is yeah. our take, and we believe in it. It's more like, David Bowie's like, hey, I like this song. I already gave you one hit. Maybe this yeah, will be another like, kind of thing. Here, here, try this Velvet Underground one that's easy to play and like it's a jam. It's a, it's built to be a hit. Yeah, that's true. It was built to be a hit, even though it wasn't. Even though it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> um, it definitely, like I said, first example of feels much more polished. Yes. Um, so, like, you get the intro, um, which doesn't have quite such an out there start, mm-hmm. right? They just start with the riff. You get that electric guitar, and then they bring an acoustic guitar, and they bring in drums, and then, like, cowbell on the drums as well, which feels a little different. Um, so, yeah, it's more of, like, a traditional, like, let's build this up and, and, and play the song. Yeah. It very much is that. You get cowbell on that drum. You, you get the riff is played pretty cleanly and pretty like precisely. It's got less of that like less of that ease, I guess, that seems to be in the original. True. Yeah, it's not as conversational, but like who can do that? Like not yeah, that right? many people. Not that many people. It's a very so, yeah, unique style of delivery. Vocally we've eliminated a lot of that. Like he's not trying to do all the O's and oohs and hoos. Yeah, which He's is probably singing good. pretty straight. That's yeah. We talked. I remember when we talked about this four years ago. There were some versions we talked about where they were like really dedicated to hitting all of those ad libs. All of those, and yeah, it it does not sound natural. It's not a great, no. not a great thing to do. Um, a strange thing that I noticed about this one in the chorus. Mm-hmm. There's two tracks saying "Sweet Jane." Yeah, but neither of them really like have much impact. Like, yeah. one, they both sort of trail off, which I feel like one of them should have been, like, the sharp version, and one of them could be, like, the sweet Jane. Yeah. Sweet Jane. And then one of them could actually, like, kind of actually hit on that Jane, sweet Jane, especially compared to the original, where yeah, he, like, where is he, shouting he by the hangs, end. hangs, yeah, and he's shouting, sweet Jane! And maybe they were just trying to contrast that, but it does feel, like, a little wishy-washy to yeah. me. Yeah. Because there are 
more subdued versions you can do, and we'll hear later that hit, but this mm-hmm. one doesn't. But I do like in the chorus that guitar that does that little jam, that banana, a little rising arpeggio. That is cool, just kind of noodling a bit. Yeah, it's a good tone on it, like it's good 70s rock. Like, yeah, I mean, I, I tend to like this sound generally. Mm-hmm. I like their version of all the young dudes. Um, we've talked about there's another cover on this, isn't there? Um, did we yeah. talk about? I don't remember. Maybe we didn't. Anyway, um, uh, maybe I'm thinking of just this. <laughs> you might just because <laughs> we did of talk this. about it before. Um, is there anything else going on? So a little bit of a weird thing. Back half of the third verse. Hmm. Um, and I'm thinking of the part with, um, like, women never really fade, but, like, compared to that, where it's more sing-songy, he likes more talky on that part, so it's kind of a flips it. Yeah. Yeah. Says, you know, never, women never really faint, and villains always blink their eyes, like, he's in the talky voice. Yeah, he's doing bit. talky voice, you're right. Yeah. And there's a lot of, I mean, the big difference to me about the singing is when when the notes were long in the original, mm-hmm. his aren't really. Yeah, he really does not do any trailing. Even though he's singing more. Yeah. In a, more of a traditional style. And because of that, like, the melody on the vocals is much more noticeable. Mm. Um. Particularly in, like, the beginning. Standing on a corner, suitcase in my hand. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it feels more like a, a repeating. Uh, right. Melody. Whereas when Lou Reed sings it, it feels like Lou Reed's having a musical conversation with you. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, of course, it's old enough that, like, the bridge didn't exist in the popular consciousness. So That's right. <laughs> it's not in this version. But you do get a guitar solo. Oh, yeah. And it's that, it's that same guitar from the chorus, so, like, good tone on it. Good sound. Yeah, I mean, this is obviously an era of, of guitar tones that, that we like. And David Bowie produced this, so he was involved with that, too. So, this yeah. Is, yeah, it's got a good sound to it. Um, there's not much to it other than that. Like, like yeah, it doesn't have that much of, of, like, a unique, interesting thing about it. Yeah, I wonder if it's because it was just maybe pushed by David Bowie, like we've said, or if they're just like too British to do a little more, <laughs> do more, like 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 more rock and rolly kind of act. Yeah, or but maybe there's was... something missing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know who does American rock and roll is Brownsville <laughs> Station in 1973. They sure do Brownsville Station. Sweet These boys have some names, let me tell you. Did you see their names? No, I did not. What are the names? Like, Cub Coda. Uh, I mean, Mike Lutz, I think, is Tony Driggins. I don't know. Mike Lutz sounds like it should be one of those dirty names. Like, you say it out loud, and it's... (laughs) Right, and you're like, ah, you just said, like, Mike Hunt or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Um... TJ Cronley? Cronley. I don't know. I like their names. Tony Driggins? Yeah, we got some, uh, some solid names. Look at their Cub current Coda numbers. They've got Henry H. Bomb, Rat, Weck. Not Wreck. 
Anyway. Uh, so they're still active, kind of, but some of their members, I think, passed away. I would Some of their original that. members. Um, and they originally did the original version of... Is it the original? Yeah, of yeah. Smoking in the Boys' Room. Smoking in the Boys' Room. Which has been covered, I think, quite a few times as well. We have not discussed Smoking in the Boys' Room, though. No. But we're about to discuss Sweet Jane by Brownsville Station. Yeah. Um, like this feels more, more like, like a poppy thing to me, even though they're called like a rock band. They're rock band. Yeah, American poppy rock like band. with like a southern rock influence little, a little, bit. Okay. Okay. A little south. Not a lot. A little bit. But like we're we're getting down there. Yeah. Where are they from? Let's see. Michigan. From Michigan. Oh, that's not yeah. south at all. <laughs> no. I think maybe it's just his, his vocals. They got a bit of that like gruffness, but it might you might just be thinking more like sixties pop. It is you might be more on the mark there. I mean, um, I like his vocals, pop, yeah. though. Close enough, especially at the time. He does sound good. His voice sounds good. They, they, they're, like, very smooth with enough roughness. Yeah, know? and he plays around, like, a bit. Up now, people, don't you know? Those are different times. Like, he's, he's doing a very sung-up performance, but he is doing a little bit of performing in there rather mm. than the kind of straight read of Mott the Hoople. Yeah, it's American. I don't know if that makes sense. Um, it's American. The other thing I think that characterizes this one the most for me is it's very bright feeling yeah. um, and sounding. Like, the way he sings sounds a little more positive in some ways. Um, the guitars are very bright, so like there's a lot of those upper uh, harmonics and stuff. There's actually quite a bit of echo on the vocals as well. It's very noticeable in the verses. Oh, yeah. um, and it's just it's a more like joyful-sounding version yeah whereas the original even though the original is positive i feel like has this like isolation to okay like their intimacy has this isolation like it's very much as them and right. as much as they are a uh, uh, pos- like this is a positive window into their life yeah 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 i don't know there, this they're like has working that, class like, feel good rock 70s feel like it would be played at like I don't know, like your high school grad or something, if you were going in that era, <laughs> like it, or like you're just hanging out with the boys and like having a beer. Like it has a very like feel good hanging out vibe. It does to feel it. like montage song. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like an older movie where you're showing that kind of a thing. You play this and be like, yeah, it's the summer. We're hanging out on the corner or whatever. With our yeah, suitcases, with maybe. Our suitcase. Yeah, it has this feeling of yeah, like almost youth. Or that that freedom that comes from being in a time where you didn't have a cell phone on you constantly, like that, just kind of like hell yeah, we're doing whatever today is. Yeah, almost like I mean the nineteen seventy nine music video. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, kind of. Maybe a little earlier than that, but <laughs> yeah, as easy as like nineteen seventy three. But yeah, a similar a similar vibe to that, except without being abandoned at a convenience store in the end. Mm-hmm. Um, they also get some uh, pretty cool uh, harmonies on the on the anyone who ever had a heart section. Yeah, so they do and like a breakdown also, with a vocal harmony. Yeah, and uh, what are they called? Harmonics on the guitar. That's right. Yeah, no yeah. mention of the Stutz Bearcat though. Do they skip the Stutz Bearcat? Yeah, they skip the Stutz Bearcat. They cut verse two entirely. It is quite a bit shorter. Yeah, this is a very chopped up version. 
um, which I think is maybe a mark against it. And I also feel like he's singing those lines from the evil mothers as if it was meant to be believed. It does feel that way, doesn't it? Yeah. And I was like trying to put that into words and having trouble, but it feels more separate, but he still has the line. You know, there's even evil mothers who will tell you this. And mm-hmm. then it kind of sounds like the next line is, but this, but it's not. And it might just be the tone of his voice. Cause it yeah. sounds when he sings like that, you want to believe him. Cause he sounds like a beautiful <laughs> rock pop singer. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. You know, women never faint. You're like, yeah, yeah women never faint. And villains, they always blink like their eyes. But the thing is, oh, I don't know, man. <laughs> uh, I don't know what the thing is. <laughs> Me neither. Thought I had a thing. I don't really. I think is that they still sound good. So I think, like, we we talk about, like, does this function as a piece of pop music? Yeah, it sounds pretty fucking good, I think. Yeah. Does it keep the spirit of the original and like what we talked about in the lyrics i think they miss the mark but it still yeah, sounds well, pretty think, good while they do it i think one of the reasons they do skip those lines is like they're not doing like if you listen to the way he sings it's more spaced out mm-hmm. um compared to like some of the lines that are more spoken like he doesn't say oh you protest kid like that kind of stuff yeah like that's a fast <laughs> bit that's, that's right. not really sung and he doesn't have that because it would sound just more awkward Right, so maybe it was cut just for, for like, phrasing. Yeah, or it f- certainly feels that way. Yeah. Um, that it wouldn't really fit if you did try to put it in. Yeah. Um, and they say heart twice. They do, yeah. No one would take a heart. No one would break a heart. Like, they say anyone who ever had a heart wouldn't, yeah, turn around and break it yeah. or hate it. I think they say hate it for both. They might say the same oh. thing twice. I can't remember now. Hang on, let me check. Definitely break it on the second one. It's I think it's take it on the first. Yeah, they wouldn't take it. Yeah. And you know they wouldn't break it. So that's the other thing. Um uh, when they're removing like the fast parts of like they wouldn't turn around at like none of that. Yeah. Just they would you know they wouldn't take it they would yeah, take I think a that, heart whatever that, that section actually worked like they wouldn't steal your heart i guess is like the vibe there. i guess so um yeah like 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 you said like musically it all works mm-hmm. it, it maybe misses a little bit of the of the um atmosphere yeah. of the original and cuts some lyrics out and stuff and that would help with that but like it sounds fine. Yeah, it sounds fine. I I thought it was kind of a good groove. Um yeah. but you know who else is making music? This <laughs> what a segue. This next yeah. group, Eater in nineteen seventy seven. Eater. Apparently their name is inspired by a Mark Bolin lyric, but I don't know which one. Uh, it's from Jeepster. Girl, I'm just a Jeepster for you. Uh, maybe and I'm gonna suck you? I'm gonna suck you. I'm gonna look up the lyrics, because I, I would like, so I was like, oh yeah, I could see that the word Eater being in Jeepster, and then I just didn't bother to look it up. Does it say it's from Jeepster? Because I... Yeah, I read that somewhere. (laughs) Okay. Um, I also read that 
Their music has been characterized as run-of-the-mill dole cue punk rock. And, and basic boyish punk rock. Is and that you know ever what? correct? Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> they were also super duper young when they made this. They were okay. like between the ages of 14 and 17. Yeah, okay. That's like early Beatles. Although before they recorded, like when they met kind of thing. Yeah, so this okay. is like if the Beatles were recording immediately <laughs> once they met. Yeah. Real like teen pop stars although they're not pop stars they're a punk rock group yeah so that is what we have here the most straightforward most basic punk um but the guy andy blade is his name one of the original members is mm-hmm. has recently started a new band or a new incarnation of eater with uh, a band oh, yeah. called jojo and the teeth so like weirdly yeah, enough dude's still around, around. um he He's has been, like, like an autobiography active too. over yeah. the years yeah but yeah, this is lo-fi, it is distorted, it is your classic just like driving rhythm on the guitars. But yeah, it is it is the song. Uh, Lou Reed and the Velvet Underground, known for an inspiring punk, sometimes called proto-punk, along with like Patti Smith. Yeah, sorry, I can't find the Eater line in Jeepster. I feel like I know, I'm looking at it too now, and I can't fucking find it, so I feel I, like an idiot. Like the vampire, there's a vampire who sucks you. Um, but like Eater, Jeepster, I feel like if you misheard it, maybe. You may be, and that we are in that era where, you know, these 14 to 70 year olds probably weren't looking at the lyric sheets, they, yeah. and they couldn't Google it, so. They don't have Anyway, um, but also yeah, the this song's is... called Jeepster. How do you fuck that up? Yeah, <laughs> it's the name of the song. It's right there. Um, yeah, it's fast. It's more distorted, um, or it's fast. That, uh, the intro they do like normal speed, and then they speed up. Yeah, um, it is what the one interesting thing is. It feels smooth. It feels so smooth. Because, like, between the speed and the tone on the guitar, everything just, like, runs together. Right. Um, yeah. Which is kind of cool, but, like, not that cool. Um, and, like, it's yeah, it's fine. It's the song that, like, it's faster. They don't really have the close feeling. That <laughs> yeah, no, they, they the have the feeling of being a punk rock band playing yeah. songs they like. Yeah, and, like, that's what it is. That's really, yeah. that's it, man. Like, is there anything of note other than that it's an early punk song from 1977? Um, yeah, I think the bass sounds maybe out of tune. Or I might just <laughs> be really hearing the, like, the attack on it, like hearing the plucking on it. Or the pick hitting it, I, whichever they're using. I mean, who knows, maybe they detune their bass on purpose. That could be. Um, I guess they repeat the word say a few times here. I don't remember when, though. Is that what you can hear Jackie say? Say, 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 say. Yeah, that must be it. And it's, yeah, it's multi-dude scenes, so it's like two of them, I think, on vocals, just ripping through the lines. Make, making that vocal sound a little fatter. Yeah. So that's that's this version. It's, it's yeah, basic boy punk rock band. Yeah, that's... that's I mean, I wouldn't have said it if someone else hadn't first. <laughs> yeah, if somebody hadn't, like, read it out so clearly, I <laughs> yeah, wrote it out, rather. <laughs> Um, so let's move from that to a version that Lou Reed has been quoted as saying is his favorite sometimes. That's the Cowboy Junkies in 1988. Sweet Jane. 
Yeah, a Canadian band. <gasps> yeah, they're alt country and folk rock from Toronto. And this is like '88. They've been around since like the mid '80s. Apparently, they're still gone. Yeah, I that's don't follow them or anything, but that's cool. And these are the guys who cover the live 1969 version. Right. This is the other live version. So the lyrics open up with anyone who's ever had a heart wouldn't turn around and break it. Everyone who's ever played a part wouldn't turn around and hate it. And then we get the chorus, and then we get a different verse. And that Mm -hmm. verse goes like this. You're waiting for Jimmy down in the alley, waiting there for him to come back home, waiting down on the corner and thinking of ways to get back home. So interestingly, the character of Jim, who we, uh, we thought was just like the audience... Is actually a dude you were waiting for in this version of the lyrics. Yeah. This one also doesn't have, like, the story. No, it doesn't. At all. He's just on, he's like in the alley. He's talking about Sweet Chain. So this, I would say, if you told me this was about cannabis. Yeah. Oh, I'd believe that. Waiting for Sweet Jane. Yeah. You're waiting for a dude named Jim in the alley. Yeah, I would 100% easy. believe you. Um, and, I mean, it starts with the line that we said is like, oh, this is like a really core important part of the song. So mm-hmm. it almost seems like it's two songs that got mashed together or just this changed a lot. Um, but yeah. you don't have to wait for that line at all. It, it happens right at the start. Yeah, and then you get a sort of revamped version of it that is also from that 1969 recording. Anyone who's ever had a dream, anyone who's ever played a part, anyone who's ever been lonely, and anyone who's ever split apart. And it's, it feels sadder. Yeah, it does. More downtrodden. Um, And I guess maybe that's, like, maybe it's all tied to this waiting for Jimmy down in the alley, waiting for him to come back home, right? So it is like the sad take on love and life being like well sometimes people don't like love doesn't last yeah but even then you know anyone who's ever played a part wouldn't turn around and hate that it's it's like that fucking dr seuss quote like don't don't be sad that it, it ended be happy that it happened or whatever so dr seuss i think i could be wrong on that <laughs> but yeah I, I know what you're talking about yeah um yeah feels feels very very different very different yeah so it's very, like, acoustic. You got the... I mean, that's probably not acoustics, but it has that very, uh, like, low feel. It's very gentle guitar. Well, it's very... Like, there's not a lot of instruments happening. Mm-hmm. Um, they, like, especially at the start, they start playing on that guitar. They're playing the riff, but it's very slow. And then she kind of, yeah. very close mic, sings. Yes. Sings the song. Switch. Yeah, um, it's very, very down. Yeah, actually, another. I, I saw Miley Cyrus version. That's a cover of this. Okay. Um, that she did like during, um, COVID. It was like social distancing sessions or something like that. Oh, okay. you know yeah, that yeah. kind of stuff. Anyway, so there's covers of this version specifically as well because it's fairly popular among Sweet Chain appreciators. Yeah, this one is one of the big ones. It featured yeah. in a, a TV show, too, I think. I can't remember which one now, though. Or a, a movie soundtrack. It's in the soundtrack for something. But, uh, yeah, it is this very down-tempo. It's funny, because the drums on this are very quiet, but also somehow, like, the loudest part of the track. Yeah, I think it's... I don't know. It's, like, 
because it's hitting the hi-hat. So, like, that's yeah. really the thing that, that fills that sonic space, like that frequency range. Right. So, I don't know. They're just way out there. Kind yeah, of. so it is just occupying a space that yeah. nothing else is. And, I don't know, it's just noticeable. Yeah, it is. Um, what else is going on? I don't know. Yeah, it's just this strange version. Well, not that strange, but strange compared to the original. Um, mm. That just really focuses on that that line that actually became a small part of the song, an important part, but a small part. Yeah. Um, and then has the other lines. This one has less of a conclusion, I think. Even though the yeah, the original kind of does. Yeah. I think. Uh, in terms of like, it's got the story and it's got like the themes, um, and this is like mostly, it's got a bit of a story, but I think it's more like themes and and uncertainty. Yeah, it is. Uh, and they even with the heavenly wine and roses, because the bridge is included on this, um, seem to whisper to me when you smile. So she's directly inserting herself rather than it being about uh, these other people, Jack right. and Jane. Not a narrator anymore. Yeah, this version's very like airy very uh, like it's intimate but in like a sad sense in a, in a down tempo sense yeah it feels more focused on like the poetry to me. yeah um of like suggesting ideas yeah i think beautifully sung i like her voice she's got a great quality for that um yeah and like keeping it low <laughs> really the whole time you know yeah um and i don't always go for versions like this but i guess it's it is originally a velvet underground version ultimately mm-hmm. but uh the difference in the lyrics makes it fit you know if they had done the original lyrics just in this style i don't know if it would have worked yeah it would have been a bit strange i think then it would have said oh they're just doing this thing whereas this is just a different version of the song yeah it's literally like they heard yeah. a different version and covered that version yeah um, which is also a pretty interesting version. Yeah, it is. Um, um and yeah. moodier. Yes. So, I don't know what else to say about it, man. Musically, uh, well, very simple. Musically, very simple, but I think it, I think it hits. Uh, did you watch the music video? Yeah, there's not a whole lot going not on. Not a lot video. to discuss. It is visually representative of what we've talked about in the sound, which yeah. <laughs> is what a music video is supposed to be, but it's a lot of dark shots. It's them basically playing in this like dimly lit theater space by the looks of it. Yeah, it's very dark and like it seems like they have kind of a soft spotlight, but also a very narrow spotlight. So like mm-hmm. it will light up their face, but it's coming from above. So still their eyes are very dark. Yeah. Stuff like that. Now, there's also a lot of shots of chains. Do you think when they were recording the song, they first thought it was called Sweet Chain? Sweet Chain. <laughs> Sweet Chain. And then they're like, fuck, we got, we did the video already. We got to re-record all, the <laughs> whole song. We got to re-record song. the um, This version, to me, is a down-tempo version of like i'm waiting for the man or something like that yeah it feels more like that which is probably a good thing that he changed it just to have you know something else going something on. else yeah yeah that that image of just waiting for a dude in the alley is yeah it, yeah you know, just say i'm waiting so for the man it it's more about feeling stuck and or trapped and i think the chains are are visually symbolic mm. of that yeah okay 
I can be down with that. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it feels more like it's a song potentially about addiction. Yeah. Um, so if that was your take, and I think the chains fit in with that, maybe that's a bit of a simplistic take on it. But that's my interpretation of why they would put chains in the video. Yeah, and I guess when you when we're brought together, you know, with other people, we're it's the chains that bind us, right? Maybe there's something about how chains can be good and banned. Because some of these chains look like maybe they're for at least one of them looked like they were for a necklace, and then that's like, hey, that's different from. There's also like thorns, right? Yeah, which to me just reads as like romance imagery because there's also flower petals and shit. Because the roses, oh, are those actually roses? Yeah, I think they are. That would make sense because roses have thorns, and every it's yeah, it's every a whole thing in poetry. Yeah, <laughs> they look beautiful, but they poke you. It's like, yeah. wow, how did we, how did nature come up with su- such a perfect metaphor? <laughs> Way to go, nature! Knocking That's out just amazing, some, some, some perfect poetry. Yeah. Um. Now, Ox, you mentioned that was it on this version. You mentioned something about two songs. It sounded like two songs mashed together a bit. Because this next one is two songs mashed together a bit. <laughs> this one, next one is definitely two songs mashed together a bit. Did I say this one was two songs mashed together a bit? I don't know. I think just you said like something a couple about, seconds ago. Yeah, maybe like a minute or two ago. I might have mm. misheard it. But we're talking about two nice girls in 1989. Sweet, sweet Jane, Jane. Sweet, sweet Jane. Yeah, this is definitely two songs mashed together. Yes. Um, and this is, so this is, uh, they call themselves, this is a quote from their Wikipedia page, don't yeah. get mad at me, self-styled dyke rock band from Austin. Yeah, I noticed they don't have that in their description in Spotify. So oh, Okay. Well, that may be I, I, don't, I don't know if they use, it, use it that anymore, but. Okay, my apologies. What do they say on Spotify? Oh, hang on. No, this is a quote from someone else. Okay. So, never mind. Um. I don't know. Anyway, so they're, uh, uh, let's see. Hang on. Oh, I've got, a, I've got a quote here. This is from the Spotify description. Two nice girls are a trio of women who play, of women who play <laughs> rock with a keen, socially conscious feminist, feminist slash lesbian edge. And they're from Texas. Hey, yeah. That's not part of the quote, but the quote ended and they're also there. And then you, you tuck that on. I like that they're a trio and called two nice girls. That's yeah, fun. that's 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 a great idea. <laughs> that's fucking killer. so simple. I think there's even four of them at times in their history. Oh, nice. Um, which is just great. I'm just looking at on their Wikipedia page. There's four people or maybe there's more than seems to be four people on this uh, artwork um, of some sort. Album art. Anyway. Anyway, they do this version, which is a is a mashup, which I think yeah. I think this this version actually works pretty well. I really like this version. Yeah, um, it is also very gentle. It's slower, um, but it's the original structure of the song, unlike mm-hmm. Cowboy Junkies. And then they bring in. Um, it's called love and affection is that i thought i wrote it down yeah love and affection by joan armatrading yeah um later on so and yeah like and typically uh, when we get versions like this together it's usually we go from sweet jane to love and affection this one is we go from sweet jane to sweet jane with love and affection on top so it's 
like they're actually blended together. Yeah, it's like counterpoint. Mm-hmm. Like there's two melodies happening at the same time and they're both singing together and harmonizing. And it sounds really nice. Yeah. Like they kind of have like one singer's a little little higher, a little lighter. I would compare it favorably to Joni Mitchell um vocally. Yeah. And, uh, and then the other that. one sings a little lower, but like they sound very good together. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, I would say that's like the the unique selling point, the USP of this <laughs> of this song. <laughs> but like I think it's got a lot more going on too, like just listening to the earlier parts, because that's like the later verse. Yeah. Or at least the second verse, because um like she'll there's a line in the other song um about like dancing like you took me dancing across the floor cheek cheek um and like when she said some people they like to go out dancing like that's when they sing about that so like there's kind of connection between them kind of a little bit um and but like I, the 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 vocals on the rest of the song i really like too like they some of the other versions sacrifice a lot of intimacy yeah uh, but they definitely don't like and they add kind of their own spoken word stuff, like, um, <laughs> like in the I'm in a rock and roll band. She's I'm yes. in a nice girls band. And she and whispers like, it. It's so yeah. funny. <laughs> uh, and then like riding in a suit's bear cat throws in like I wish. I wish. Yeah. Like lines like that. So there's little bits that are like, oh, this is them now. So it's like a similar idea of like more personal, more spoken, but also it's very different. Yeah, it hits that conversational and intimate yeah. angle in a different way completely. And just sounds very... I mean, they keep it so sparse. There's only mm-hmm. three of them. So, like, it's bass, guitar, and then, like, a synth. Um, yeah. But keep it pretty... And they're all going, but, like, keep it very, very simple. Uh, and just the harmonies. I, I, oh, I guess the other thing about the voice, they get a little bit of that yodel going on. Yeah, yeah, that, just a touch of that. Yeah, just a little bit. Um, yeah, I just, I really, really liked um, this version. <laughs> yeah, it is, and like you said, so instrumentally sparse and so heavily reliant on what are some very gentle vocals, but they yeah. are so expertly done. Yeah, um, it sounds incredible. Yeah. Um, and then there's applause at the end, so it was maybe live. It was maybe, yeah, that was like a twist. I was like, oh yeah, my god, cool. um is there anything else i wanted to say about this there's like a little synth or organ solo around like the 330 mark yeah this is a very long version too but i was like transfixed yeah yeah i just yeah it makes that lyrical tenderness into to music and you can then feel that and then the other song which i don't know very well i don't know love Mm -hmm. and affection very well um neither but i looked up like a live version it seems to have a similar progression so like they fit together quite well they fit like, quite nicely yeah um and they're just having those other man the they just the words work well together and the melodies work well together yeah fuck yeah good version um let's talk about a version that is different <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah willie nile in 2016 Sweet chain Sweet chain Sweet chain 
Willie Nile. This guy's been around for a while. Yeah, Willie Nile's he, been around for a while. He toured with the Who in uh, 1980. Yeah, he kind of like had a startup of a career and then ran into some unspecified legal issues, oh. and then was off the scene for like 10 to 15 years, and then kind of came back. He's toured with quite a few big names, including like Bruce Springsteen and the E Street yeah. Band. Played with the E Street Band. Um, that's the one I wrote down. <laughs> yeah. So, and like, so yeah, like big working musician. I, I don't know. This one kind of fell short for me though. It was, uh, yeah, it sounds, ah, it just doesn't sound like that interesting. Like, especially maybe just cause I had finished listening to the other one so much, the two nice girls one, but yeah. then this was like, ah, this is just more like, like it's a bigger sound. It's like a little pop rock country thing going on, but it's like, yeah. it's Big very hand claps. Kind mm-hmm. of feels cheap in a way, and I don't yeah. know exactly why, but to me, it doesn't, it feels like it's trying to do more, like it's too big for its britches kind of thing. Yeah. It's, we sometimes talk about like weirdo versions where it's very clearly a dude in his garage and he just likes to play guitar or whatever. Right. And that one at least has the charm of being like some random guy who's just like, well, I just want to play guitar. Just, I just like the Velvet Underground. Like, I just hey, like me the Velvet too. Underground. Whereas this one is a man who has toured with big names, making a very cheaply produced version, it sounds like. Yeah. And I, I do, I don't like the clapping drum machine. No. At all. <laughs> Um, we talk, we often just, I often just hand wave things and say it's got good sounds. It doesn't mm-hmm. have, doesn't have good sounds. This has bad sounds. Yeah, it's bad sounds. Um, it's almost like, kind of reminds me of Jack and Diane at times. Yeah. But I like sure. Jack and Diane. Oh yeah, that's true but, as well. Uh, uh, not in a, not in, it doesn't remind me of Jack and Diane in a good way, which sounds weird, but doesn't. Yeah, it's it just has that out of touch rocker edge. There's like a difference yeah. between like a, a big rock and roll artist producing a song. He's like, this guy was big in the 80s or the 70s or whatever, and he's making something now. And it sounds like modern, it sounds cool, it sounds age, whatever. This is just him trying to be like, do you guys remember Jack and Diane and also this Velvet <laughs> Underground song? It's like, yeah, but why are you making this? Yeah. So, yeah. I don't have much else to also, say. Also, he about says it. like, Sweet Loreen or something at the end? I don't even remember. <laughs> All right, we don't need to get into it. <laughs> Loreen? Yeah, his I, wife's I, name? Maybe his wife's name, which, yeah, again, uh, yeah, he's also, it has the feeling of, like, I don't really know what this song is about, but I sure do like rock and roll. All right. Sure, that's fine. Yeah, he, but he doesn't quite hit, like, savant levels, like, you know? It's yeah. Not, it's not like idiot savant or anything. It's just like, I don't want to call just him the idiot. idiot. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it doesn't really have it, I don't think. No, I think it is missing something. I'm sorry, Willie. Maybe you've got other good stuff, but this certainly isn't it. Yeah. Now it's time for our final categories. We got three categories today the worst version, the best version, and the version that, through the powers of magic, if you could take March of the Wooden Soldiers off of the radio for Jack and Jane and instead play a version of Sweet Jane to them during the course of the song Sweet Jane. What song would you do? <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> All right. Oh, uh, Alex, worst version. <laughs> worst version? Has <sighs> Willie Nile. It was almost Eater. But I think it's Willie Nile. It is an achievement to beat Eater, who does basically fucking nothing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's... I think you're right. <laughs> um, yeah. Because Eater's at least like, ah, it's just a bunch of kids. Exactly. <laughs> But Willie Nile's like, he's had a whole career in life to do better. Right? 
And yeah, so like the like Eater is like this is some of their first work, some of their only work because they were in a band for one album, and then like got later got together. But for this to like come out, they're fourteen to seventeen years old, and they're playing this at pubs and shit and whatever. Like, go get it, kid. Yeah, like but, fine, especially like early punk. Like, yeah, barely knew what punk was. Exactly, you're all figuring shit out, and somebody had to figure out what bad punk was, and they're like, oh, we'll do it. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> What, what basic boy punk is that it yeah they're like we'll we'll hammer out the basics and y'all can work from there and they said thank basic you boyish punk rock boyish boyish but anyway um i guess youthful maybe is like boyish as in like yeah i guess so. not as in like not quite boy enough but containing the qualities <laughs> of boy <laughs> right right uh yeah no willie nile no good uh yeah. world war willie more like no bad job <laughs> uh alex what's the best version of this I mean, my best version is 100% Two Nice Girls. I, yeah. I just love that version so much. I think, it, like, in terms of, like, top versions, the same way the bottom is pretty clear on this, I think Cowboy Junkies and Two Nice Girls are the top, pretty clearly. Yeah, they've clearly put, like, the most into it. Yeah. And between those, like, like Cowboy Junkies I like, and it reminds me of that live version of the Velvet Underground Sweet Jane, whereas Two Nice Girls is, like, transcendent in a way. It is the same song with added pieces and it's it's when you think about what a cover should be that's what it should be it should be two nice girls and even like going into this i was kind of expect like not going into this episode but going into preparing i was kind of expecting cowboy junkies just because it's a strong version and Mm -hmm. i don't remember what i said as my favorite for our last one um last time we recorded this because it was like four years ago four years ago and Um, a mostly different playlist i swapped out a lot of things oh that's true but cowboy junkies was definitely on there i don't think i said cowboy junkies then but i was like prepared like after listening to the stuff before that like Mm -hmm. okay i think cowboy junkies is probably gonna be it but then two nice girls just like blew me away yeah and i wasn't expect i was like prepared to dislike two nice girls because like okay they've like at the start you're like ah it's stripped down acoustic gentle whatever okay but then it's like oh no 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 this yeah, is, it just kind of sweeps is, you up, takes you away. It's, it's quite beautiful. Yeah. Um, Alex, through the powers of whatever, you're, you're blasting. <laughs> <laughs> you're blasting something that isn't March of the Wooden Soldiers start through the blasting. radio. <laughs> exactly. What do you just start blasting out of that old radio? By oh, the I don't even know, man. I feel like just make it meta and do the original version. Do you know what? Do it. Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> so like, wait a minute. Is this what we're doing? Oh, no, 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 no. Then what What would it mention in the song? It would mention itself? Yeah. Sindama Radio file. does play that Sweet Jane by the Velvet Underground. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great choice, Alex. I'm going to choose Brownsville Station. Cause it's it's like a little poppy. You it know? sounds like, like it's a good radio song. <laughs> yeah, it's like a good song yeah. for the radio. So hey, put it on yeah. through. Um, yeah, definitely our best third category ever. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that does it for our final verdicts. You got a different opinion, similar opinion. Want to talk to us about a version we didn't talk about? Hit us up on Twitter hashtag CoverMePod at Jake the Cressy at some Alex Wise guys. Send us your comments, questions, concerns, suggestions for future episodes. Be sure to rate and review us. We're on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, your favorite podcasting app. Will Gill recently gave us for previous guest Will Gill. Hit us with that five star rating. We're up to three point nine on Spotify. Uh, and he raised a valid question. He had to text me and say, how do you rate on Spotify? Folks, you got to use the mobile app. You got to go to our page. Sort of little type and cover me into your search engine. 
hit the little icon, scroll up on the episode list all the way to the top where it'll have our description and the little star rating. Tap that star rating, hit that fiver. We're almost at the 4.0 mark. We probably just need one more fiver to get us there, and maybe I'll stop bugging you all about it. So get those <laughs> reviews in. Um, you're also our marketing team, so tell your friends about it. Tell your family, tell your loved ones. Uh, friends, family, and loved ones. Somehow three separate categories. Uh, <laughs> And uh, you can also email us at covermepod at gmail.com. That does it for today's episode of Cover. Oh my fucking God, I forgot to do a dumb ending quote. Oh, shit. Alex, you got anything off the dome? Uh, and as we always say on Cover Me, anyone who ever had a Cover Me wouldn't turn around and hate it.